This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Real Vision Crypto. I'm Ash Bennington. Very excited today to have with us Perianne Boring, founder and president of the Chamber of Digital Commerce, to talk about public policy and the digital asset space. Perianne, welcome to Real Vision. Thanks, Ash. It's great to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. So let's talk a little bit about your background, how you got into the crypto space. Yeah, so uh, I would consider myself a crypto OG or crypto original gangster. <laughs> I've been in the space for quite some time. So I was lucky enough to learn about Bitcoin in really early days. Um, I, the first time I heard about Bitcoin was in 2011. So I just had a friend who uh, knew how obsessed I, I, I am and was uh, with like free market pr pr principles. Said, hey, I found this thing called Bitcoin on the internet. It's like this weird cryptocurrency, virtual currency that's not, uh, it wasn't issued by a government or a corporation. Um, it's like open. And so that, I, that, that concept to me, and I was working on Capitol Hill at the time, working in monetary policy and economic policy was just really interesting. Um, and I spent several years just trying to learn about it. Um, so I did kind of my own personal rabbit hole study and what came out of the, of my own study was, wow, this is one of the most important things, if not the most important technology I'm going to see in my life. And it really has the potential to address a lot of the issues that I was fighting for from a public policy perspective to just implement it using technology. Um, so uh, some of the types of things that I was working on when I worked on the Hill was our unsustainable levels of debt. Um, very concerned about where that is here in the U.S., but also globally. There's over 300 percent today. The global the the debt to GDP ratio is over 300 percent today. So that's um, something my generation will 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 it's going to overhang over our entire lives. Um, you know, having a, a monetary system that. Um, is controlled by a group of unelected bureaucrats. And today that's really relevant as we're seeing, you know, very historic levels of inflation and all of the issues that that causes for economies around the world. Um, and just the ability for collusion of, of private industries to, to be able to use that for their benefit. Um, and I, I just felt very convicted that this technology could really you know, address these big systemic issues in our financial system. So um, around 2013, I, um, I got to a point where I just wanted to work in this space. I wanted to support the growth of the digital asset ecosystem. I wanted to see this technology succeed. I wanted to contribute and kind of be a part of it. Um, and I had to do a little bit of soul searching about what do I have to contribute to this space? Because back then the ecosystem looked really, really different. It's not like it is today. Um, most of the people in the space were the developers, um, the computer um, you know, software uh, uh, engineers. Um, so, you know, there is a little bit of VC happening. Um, and really all the people that I had met or talked to were either coders or investors, and I was neither. Um, my background's in public policy. So uh, 2013 was was really kind of that breakout year um, for me, but also for Bitcoin. 
Um, and that was the year Bitcoin had a lot of ups and downs on the international stage. Uh, and uh, two big things happened from Mt. Gox and Silk Road. Um, big black eyes that I think today we're still recovering just from like a reputational and a PR perspective. Um, but we started to see the, the DC and the regulatory and the policy uh, system start churning in 2013 when you saw that huge collapse um, in Japan where you know hundreds of millions of dollars of customers funds went missing and um, you know lots of money was being laundered through illicit marketplaces using digital assets. Um, and so there were multiple hearings on uh, Capitol Hill that year. Um, you started seeing um, different agencies like the SEC um, and others issuing warnings about the dangers of this technology. FinCEN issued its first uh, piece of guidance. But for those who don't know, this is the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network uh, regulatory <laughs> yeah. uh, and law enforcement agency here in the United States. Apologies for the acronyms. There's lots and lots of them. <laughs> I try not to assume people just know what they are. You, you worked on Capitol Hill, Perianne. We know they're going to be acronyms. Lots of acronyms. There's just like an endless <laughs> list. But we started to see the DC uh, machine start churning with a focus towards crypto. And to me, the... Uh, it, it, it eventually it, it became obvious to me that this industry would need um, professional public policy experts on the ground in our nation's capital, working with members of Congress, working with their staff, working with the public policy community to help educate them, help them understand what this technology is about, address concerns that they may have, um, and support the public policy process. Um, so we launched the Chamber of Digital Commerce in 2014. So we're in our eighth year today, and we have we that idea, <laughs> what we were right in that assumption that that the policy community would need a lot of support, and we have been incredibly busy. Um, and today we're really in a critical moment for public policy for digital assets. Well, Perianne, that's a great summary, not just of your background, but of what's happened effectively in the space uh, up until now. You know, this is uh, obviously a very important area that people are focusing on now, this uh, idea of the union of traditional financial uh, space uh, versus the crypto space, how they integrate public policy, legal, regulatory, and compliance. And you were one of the very first people to that space to try and think about what some of these issues were going to look like many years ago. So it's really a pleasure to have you here to talk about that. I'm also interested, we were talking a little bit off camera about the big picture right now. What's happening? Where do you see this going? Give us a sense of the direction that you see the space taking over the next one, three, five years. Well, if, I, if we can actually expand that timeline just a little bit longer, like the end game of where I see this going, I, I truly believe that dis, that blockchain technology is going to be considered um, critical infrastructure in the digital economy. So as you and I are used to using digital systems every single day, but there's still a lot of stuff that runs on analog systems. And as um, the uh, as the world is is integrating um, more into digital systems, um, I believe this technology is what people are going to use to um, transact and, and interact in both um, business and personal interactions. Um, and I also uh, I, I I truly believe that the the um, the rails of the global financial system are going to run on blockchains in the future. So if you think about that as kind of the end game of where it's going, and, and I don't necessarily have a timeline on when I think that's going to happen, 
but there's a lot of things that are going to change between now and then. I heard somebody quote um, yesterday at the at, at a conference that I'm at that once Bitcoin hits 200,000, the amount of billionaires in the world, um, there will be more crypto billionaires in the world than non-crypto billionaires. So even things like our society could really be impacted and changed um, by the adoption of this technology. And I think it's a change that ultimately will be for good. That's permissionless. That allows more people to participate um, and will be more more inclusive than, than than ever before. But there's a lot of you know pretty significant issues in our global. Uh, financial and monetary system today. We, we mentioned kind of those debt to GDP ratios. You have inflation at historic levels around the world. You have um, the financial inclusion gap really isn't closing much at all. You still have over a billion people today who do not have access to financial services. And even here in the United States, in the most prosperous nation in the world, there's millions of people who are unbanked and underbanked um, today in the U.S. So I think to, to solve these big systemic problems in our financial system, we have to look to something different. And I think that something different is going to be digital assets and blockchain-based technologies. And I think this ultimately, our financial system will be rebuilt on blockchains. So that's where, where I think it's going. And it's it's going to be quite a wild ride because there's going to be a lot of change in power. There's going to be a lot of change in, in assets and money over you know different players and stakeholders. And uh, the regulatory piece is front and center in those conversations. So this really is an important time. And I think it's really important for people to understand um, this is going to have a huge impact on our financial system, on our daily lives. And it's really important to, to start preparing for those now uh, to ensure you're, uh, you know, you're ready for that. Before we dive into those uh, regulatory issues, Give us a sense, particularly for people who are relatively new to the space, about what that world looks like, how it functions, how it comes to be. I think there's universal agreement, as you pointed out, that there are significant systemic problems in the financial system. Uh, it's probably the one thing people seem to agree on across political parties uh, here in the United States and across the world. But what does the solution look like in your view, or what might it look like? In other words, how, how, do, how do these distributed networks uh, that we call blockchains, uh, particularly Bitcoin and some of the other ones that we talk about so much, how do they actually begin to serve the critical infrastructure functions uh, of a society, of a financial system, uh, and of a communications architecture? Yeah, well, where I think this is going is um, maybe just starting with, with Bitcoin. Bitcoin has really established itself as a digital store of value. It's replacing gold. Gold has, has served as a store of value. It's also used as has been used as the basis of the monetary system for centuries. Uh, if not you know, thousands of years, people have used gold and silver uh, to transact and for money and for currency and for a store of value. Um, in 1971, when Nixon closed, President Nixon closed the gold window, we left the gold standard and we've been in a in this fiat experiment. And that experiment has really not been going on that long. It's, you know, 50, you know, some years, the world has been operating on currencies that are backed by nothing but the full faith and credit of their governments. That was a huge change in the global monetary system. Um, so just as much as our financial and our monetary system has changed in the past hundred years, I think it's going to change just as much, if not more, in the next hundred years. Um, and I think Bitcoin, you know, very likely could be the basis of that. 
Um, even the chairman of the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell, um, has said in congressional testimonies in Congress um, that he sees Bitcoin acting like gold, and he has even compared it to a digital gold and a gold 2.0. Um, and you're seeing that in portfolios today. You're seeing a number of advisors and um, CFOs and asset allocators starting to replace gold with Bitcoin. So it starts out small where you have funds and allocators who are you know, putting just a small amount of their portfolio um, into, in, into Bitcoin. Um, but that, I think, over time is, is going to change and potentially Bitcoin could be a, a global reserve asset. Um, and I think that means we're already starting to see sovereign nations um, buy Bitcoin uh, as, a, as a store of value. Um, and I think the next step is we're going to see central banks doing that. And I would not be surprised if there are central banks around the world that are already in the process of making allocations to Bitcoin. Hey, if you like this clip, be sure to check out the full interview and more only on realvision.com forward slash crypto. It's 100% free. Sign up now.